Hey everybody, it's Halloween today and uh, we have, have, we like managed to pull out a family costume. You know, you think you have a new baby and we're going to make it all cute and sweet and perfect. Um, but my nine-year-old knew what he wanted and there was no budging. And so it was either join him or do our own thing. So he decided to be a rock star with tattoos and a mohawk and the whole thing and so we just jumped in that fun with him and so we're we created a whole big band and it's real funny so we went to my grandmother's neighborhood yesterday to trick-or-treat with her and like my husband's kind of like 90s grunge with a beanie and then my teenager is more like boy with a uke like hoodie ukulele kind of look <laughs> and there's Kian with a tattoo and uh, a, a mohawk and I am decked out in a pink wig I mean I don't even know what that is I guess I'm the singer and then sweet Ivy has the cutest little mini skirt you've ever seen and a purple blow-up guitar so it's a whole vibe and it's really fun so I'm excited I'm hoping the rain holds off tonight so we can go have fun together and um, yeah, so radical love, guys, radical love is what we're talking about today. And it just kind of makes me ask the question, well, what is love anyway? What is it? What is love exactly? Right? So welcome to Stop Pretending, um, formerly known as the Ash and Ivy Show. And now we've just created a little bumped it up a little notch to some sassy stop pretending and that's a high order it's a high order and I wouldn't be lying if I said maybe I bit off more than I could chew <laughs> um, because frankly it's difficult to know how authentic to show up in this space and I'm up here at the top of my stairs in my bathrobe and to be honest and I could just bear all this isn't free counseling for me to talk into this microphone all by myself but then I remember who all is listening on the other side and and what they might think about me and what they might tell their friends or and I also want to be careful that I never say anything that isn't edifying and encouraging for you not encouraging like also sweet all the time but just truthful and so I you know I the stop pretending show is just is a space to be real and to be honest and to find life like real life life that is fun life that thrills you life that's full of purpose um, and so we know that lots of things in life are not fun and don't feel good and don't feel like they have purpose or even if they did have purpose, it's not worth it, right? Like I don't wanna go through this to find that purpose, to find that good. No, thank you. <laughs> I'd rather dress up cute for Halloween and have fun, right? But so um, yeah, so welcome to the show. And sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's hard and I, um, you know that I kind of waver in between those two things and, and almost struggle with those two things. I'm like, I can't be all fun and I can't be all gloom. And so 
Maybe it's a space in between, or maybe it's both at the same time, you know? All right. Well, of course, love, you go to 1 Corinthians 13. And so I, I was reading that and just really enjoying it again. Um, let me turn to it. I think I would have had that pulled up already. So it opens with this just profound message. And uh, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Ouch. If I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Whew, guys, I don't know. That is harsh, you know? And so all these things, we can do all these things listed. And we've been talking about using our passions and our gifts and things like that. And you know that that's something that I'm real big on. But we could do all those things, speak, prophesy, knowledge, faith, generosity, but they hold zero value without pure motive, love, a pure motive, love. Those, those things are interchangeable. And so I don't know. I mean, it, it might seem obvious, but it's also worth asking, why does love bring more value? Why? Why does love bring more value to those? Why wouldn't those things hold power without love? And, and so I just went <laughs> searching on this, on this idea of what is radical love? And I've been praying um, about something and, and God just keeps dropping this radical love, radical love in my mind. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it? How do I do it? Yes. Okay. You know? And so the, the word love in this chapter is uh, called Huba. Listen, I don't know how to say any of this stuff, but the Aramaic term for love is Huba. And it means to set on fire, to set on fire. And I, you know, use that phrase a lot to set your soul on fire, to live on fire. Um, this idea of passion, this idea of intensity on fire, huba. Um, and so that captured me and that, and just seemed exciting. Like, okay, yeah, I want to love that's passionate and, and we're not talking about um, eros, like a romantic love. This is not that. Um, but it's it's also in line with agape love, which is the Greek term, agape. So this loyal, endless, unconditional pouring out demonstrated, a demonstrated form of the highest love. It's supported with action and feeling and intensity and it's never ending and it's unwavering, right? Love. And we use that word love so much, it, it almost loses its depth. But when you say it's this loyal, endless fire that's pressing 
demonstrated in your life and for you, that can, that's something we can get excited about. And so I, I kind of kept looking and maybe I'm just kind of talking out my rabbit hole out loud with you today. Um, but I hope that you can kind of also be thinking with me and asking your questions and digging. And this should prompt you to seek out some of your own answers to your own questions. Um, so I guess I'll just keep going. Um, but you know, I thought about those gifts and why, why love brings them more value. And I just, this idea that when we are united with God in perfect love, there wouldn't be the need for the gifts. So we wouldn't need more knowledge. We wouldn't need revelation of, of what's going on on the earth. We wouldn't need faith to move mountains because all of that stuff would be whole in God's perfect love. There's wholeness and wellness and unity. And so those gifts are not, are not needed. Those are intermediate things that God gives us until perfect love is obtained. Right. And so I, I don't know if that answers any question, but it just kind of gives us some perspective you know, some perspective over what our goal is and how we're looking forward. And we'll talk about looking forward more in a few moments, but, um, you know, we love survivor. I don't know if you love survivor. We just started the 43rd season. I think we started it yesterday. It's our big family thing. And, um, maybe one of my boys will be on survivor one day or, or my girl. I don't know. Um, but it, it says survivor on, on every episode of survivor, your fire is life. Your fire is life. And when your fire is out, you know, your game's over. And so we can say, or the Bible says, love is fire. Love is fire and fire is life. So like in First Timothy, how do we fan the flame? How do we fan the flame of using our gifts and of life, right? That's just another question that I have. And sometimes we just have questions and little glimpses of answers, but lots of questions and that's okay. That's okay. So if, if fire is life, then what is numbing our life? What's dulling our senses? What's extinguishing the fire that's intended to show us the way? If, if it's intended to help us see clearly, you know, not in the natural realm, but in the kingdom realm, and show us the way and light a path, then what's extinguishing that fire? Maybe a destructive narrative in our mind, maybe wasted time doing things that aren't ours to do or wasting time, you know, watching something or reading something or hanging out or scrolling or just, you know, all those things. And this is not condemnation at all. It's just, it's just honest conversation about what distracts us or keeps us from fanning the flame and understanding the fire in our life. And so we get that and we can talk about that all, all day long, just behaviors that we're choices we're making. But what I actually really want to talk about more today is maybe it's not something that we can just choose to schedule better. Maybe it's not time management. Maybe it's not overcommitment. Maybe it's life circumstances that are completely draining you of your energy, completely stealing your joy and your, your dreaming and your curiosity. Maybe all of that is flat because whatever circumstances in your life are just depleting you of the ability 
to address your day, go into your day with an open mind, right? Things out of your control. The actions of, of someone else, a spouse or a teenager, maybe a diagnosis, a sickness, something that you don't have control over. We can reset our mind all day long and we can do the hard work of healing our heart and giving it to Jesus. And then something slams into our life like a wrecking ball. And then what? What do we do with that? Because I can't, I can't fix that. I can't do anything about it, right? Well, last week we had Jillian on. She's the author of Streams of Gold, her memoir, and it just really refreshed me. It, it's simple and yet so amazingly life-changing. You know, she talks about her journey of of letting go of perfection and letting go of people pleasing and uh, just being on this journey of, of being imperfect and letting God love her and use her and that kind of thing. And, and she had kind of got come to her wits end and didn't know where to go. And her husband spoke these, uh, these profound words of just do nothing, do nothing. And let me tell you, as a performer and people pleaser, doing nothing takes a lot of energy and effort also, <laughs> but, but it's a practice that we can work on. And so when that wrecking ball slams in our life, when there are things that we just actually can't work on, we can't fix it at all, then that's when you let love in. And you just be, just do nothing, just breathe God in and breathe God out in every breath. He's a part of who you are. And God says, come to me, come to me, you who are weary, I will give you rest, right? It's so cyclical. You know, I feel like so many episodes, I talk about what we need to do. We need to seek the Lord and and follow our curiosity and follow our passion and take a test and meet with a friend and do, do, do. And yes, yes, I'm not disagreeing with that, right? It's a yes and kind of conversation because none of those things have value without love. So we must find the root of love. We have to find the root of love. Where do we find love? Real, true, huba, the thing that's sets our life on fire, agape, a loyal, unconditional pouring out. That's the Father's love. That's the Father's heart for us. So how do we get there? Okay. So I guess I just want to shift into what God's love means to me intimately, personally, right? Because that's everything. Okay. And we can exhaust all effort on external things. We can kind of stir up our heart sometimes with our actions. And I guess I want to clarify that that's actually what my intention is. When I encourage you to move and do, I'm asking you to stir it up, stir up your thoughts, stir up your heart, remove yourself from the rat race, from complacency, from routine, from meeting expectations, stir it up and see what's left. See what's stirring. What questions do you have? What do you want? So that's what I mean 
when I tell you to do, 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 I'm not trying to give you another list of tasks, but instead I want you to find intimacy with God. Okay. So we're, we're on this search for the root of love. And so in this episode, we also kind of stumbled, really kind of tripped into this idea of finding balance in life with the order that God prescribes. So what does God prescribe? He says, love the Lord, your God first, love the Lord, your God first. Okay. I get that. Well, love, God loves us first and we love him in response and then love others. That sounds like the next step, but nope, nope, nope. Hold on as yourself, love others as yourself. So what's actually number two, loving who you loving you and then love others. So pure love that Huba is a hope filled love. It's a hope filled love. It's, it's a looking forward kind of love. When you um, go to second Peter three thirteen. It's, it talks about looking forward, looking forward. Oftentimes we look backward at, um, you know, from our stance now, we're looking backward at, at what Jesus did for us, but we can look forward to a new heaven, a new earth. And it says, be at peace with him, be at peace with him. So we're trying to find this intimacy with God. We're trying to find where does, where does love, um, spill from? Where is the fountain? Where is it coming from? How do we get there? And being at peace with him, looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, God fulfilling, God bringing perfect love. That's it. And then Hebrews 11 is so much fun. It's the chapter about faith. And it says like, what else can I say to convince you? What else do you want me to say to convince you to have faith? Right? Believe God is who he says he is. Believe God does for you what he has done for others and what he has already done for you. Believe it, rehearse it, practice thinking about it, right? Because then in Hebrews 12 too, I got so excited today reading this and thinking about it. Let me get back to it. Um, so it's just gone through this kind of recap of how Jericho's walls fell after the people marched. Rahab, the prostitute, avoided destruction because she uh, had faith. And then it goes on. I can't, it says, I can't, I don't have time to tell you every faith-filled story, but the mouths of lions were shut, right? Faith sparked courage. And when we read about other people's courage, our courage is sparked. But then it goes to chapter 12. That was chapter 11. It goes to chapter 12. And it says, we look away from the natural realm. That means take our eyes off all the circumstances, off all the things that we can see that don't make sense, that feel hard, that weigh heavy. Take our eyes off of that and fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. So Jesus is showing us exactly what to do in this situation. The what now that we're asking, the the wrecking ball has slammed in, things are crumbling around our feet. We are feeling hopeless like, yes, I can put on a positive coffee first 
Jesus and coffee, blah, 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 t-shirt. I can do it. I can, I can have the quote and it just has no power. It's not working. It's not going to fix my marriage. It's not going to help me parent. It's not going to fix this diagnosis. It's not going to bring so-and-so back. No, I need something more than a cute shirt, right? Well, Jesus shows us, and it says it right here in his example. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all, Jesus faced intense opposition, literally sweat blood in his stress. And nothing could remove that situation from his life. But he looked forward to being restored into an intimate relationship with you. With you. And that is powerful. And we can follow that lead. We sure can. We absolutely can look ahead with hope. We can take our eyes off of this thing in our life. We all experience things at some point or another that just feels like there's great risk. Like this is not a small thing. This is a big life altering thing. And, and how do I handle this? Right? There's a lot on the table here. How do I handle this? What's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen to my children if this happens? What's going to happen to my, you know what I mean? You fill in the blank. And if you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, give thanks, right? Give thanks. But also, I encourage you to practice because when it happens, you will need it. You will absolutely need it. And the truth that I am have learned and am learning is that it is true that he will be near to the brokenhearted in times of trouble. He steadies your hand, right? This is the thing when everything at the surface or even one thing at the surface or whatever is hard. The place of peace is there and there's no risk involved. God abides in you closer than your skin, so close, whispering, loving you, reminding you of who you are, reminding you of who he is, and circumstances might crumble, but love is a secret place, quiet in your heart, and it is the one thing no one can ever steal or disrupt. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It is solid right? It's solid. And I guess that is the hard part to grasp. Like I, I just wrestle with this, this idea. Like I want, I'll listen to a song, right? And I want it to, I I want it to, it's very difficult for me to put into words, but I just will try. I will try to be transparent. Sometimes if I'm going through something hard, and I hear a worship song that is supposed to invite me into God's presence. I resist it because 
I don't want to be in a place of peace and I don't want to let go of the thing that is hurting me that needs to be fixed. I would rather have a song filled with anguish and begging and control and and an expression of my stress. Like I'm not talking about, I have too many errands to run. I am talking about a serious, difficult situation. And I just want to beg God for change. Take this cup from me, right? But this is the moment when you put your oxygen mask on first. This is the moment when you let God be and you do nothing. Exodus 14, 14, you let him fight for you. You surrender it and you just say, okay, God, I trust you and I can't do a thing about this. And I'm just going to sink into your presence and let it wash over me. And I'm going to put my oxygen mask on first because I cannot do anything for anyone if I don't have that pure love deep, deep, deep in my heart, right? I don't know. That may seem unkind to your situation to simplify it like that, but that love is pure and it's life-giving and it's full of fire. It satisfies and it does give generously to others. So whatever it is that needs to happen is going to come from that place. It's going to come from being in God's presence, open-hearted, honest, open-handed with surrender, available to him, available to what the spirit is prompting. And it's not selfish for you to find peace there. Even when things around you are unsteady, you are creating a lifeline when you abide in God's love. That's different from shrinking to hide. Um, you know, I think when things get hard, I tend to, to hide and want to just, I feel like I don't want to face this. I don't want, I just want to like kind of, um, what's the word, like huddle down and regain control and that kind of thing. But instead, if I turn to God and say, you're my safe place, then I'll be able to be a safe place for someone else. And then I can share a pure love with them through whatever it is, whatever is the gift, right? Right. And, oh, this one's hard. This is so, so hard for me. But you also show that person, whoever it is that needs you, needs God, that they also can just be. That the fight is to just be, to accept, to surrender. I I know it's hard if there's someone who is wrong and you can see the wrong in them. You don't want to just let them be. You don't want to encourage them to just be. No. What do you want to do? You want to say, change, improve, grow, understand this, read this, get this help, right? Do. But it is counterculture, this love that's so pure. God's presence God's love, the love that is life, the love that is agape, the love that is on fire is in being with God, still bringing your weariness to him. And that will change 
you and it will change whatever else needs to change. My only mission as a parent first, and then this can spill out to lots of ways, but my mission is for my kids to know what love is, to feel it, to know it deep in their spirit because they have experienced it. I want them to know who God is, how he speaks, how he moves, right? And I beg God to move more in their life, to do more in their life than what I can pave a way for because I blunder miserably all day long every day. And so I mean, we can apply that to anyone else, our spouse, our parent who needs hope. We can live this life of abiding in the Father, of letting love work, of, of not striving, of not performing, and letting God fill us with love. And that is, that is our main mission. And our motivation doesn't need to be anything other than that. So whatever choice we have in action, word, or thought, we can say, is this showing love, pure love, right? And we've already talked about being honest. So this doesn't, you know, you have to pray and discern, but I don't think it will be as difficult if it's coming from a pure place to know when to say something, when to accept, when to that kind of thing, right? Right. My goodness, you guys, this is a hard, hard, hard topic. And I appreciate you bravely listening, bravely digging in to this and learning what love is. And um, I just commend you for that. And I, I hold your hand and we, we join in together because it's not, it's not easy. It's really not. I'm going to end on this and um, just know that I'm, I'm praying for you. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. 